and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Wow. So there's a few things that are on our plate to do <laughs> as we pray. And he says, but then he will hear from heaven, forgive sin and heal our land. So it's a promise. All right, well, go with me to number four. And this one is um, on the slide here. And it is pray that God would position leaders according to his purpose. According to his purpose. And we talked about Daniel um, being uh, in that place where he was before four kings. But Cyrus, Cyrus freed the Jews. And he was not even a godly man. But he set them free and he helped them to rebuild the temple and sent them on their way with letters that told other people to help him too. <laughs> that told them as they went to get all of these different materials for the building of the temple. And Cyrus was not even a godly person. So we can pray that God would position leaders according to his purpose and they don't even necessarily have to be Christians or godly leaders. God is able to use people when we pray and their hearts are open to him. So Cyrus was one of those, and, and I always love that example. So God can use any leader. And, you know, we know we have a precedent in the Bible that he could use a donkey. So if he can use a donkey, he can use anyone or anything. That's not just a Disney fairy tale. It really happened. <laughs> and, it, and it blows our mind to think, but it really happened. And so if God can do that then he can use any leader. So um, Proverbs 21.1 tells us this, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. I like that. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. So he can turn it this way or that way. He can turn it whichever way that it needs to go so that his plan can be accomplished. And, you know, we do live in the last days, and Jesus is coming, and there is a lot in the word about his coming and about the last days. And not all of it is good and happy promises, right? It does tell us that some of these times are going to be difficult and tough to deal with. And so there's some things that are probably going to happen that we don't understand or that we don't know at the time, but God is orchestrating things according to his plan, and he will be using ungodly people to even put things in place and in position so that the right things can happen. And, you know, one of the examples of this is um, Jesus. You know, when Jesus was ministering to the disciples, they had a whole different idea about what it was going to look like when he was talking about the kingdom of God. They had their thoughts, and they were even asking, you know, who's going to sit beside you and all of that kind of stuff. And Jesus said, you don't even know what you're talking about. And so, <laughs> basically, my paraphrase. And uh, so imagine what they were thinking. Imagine what they were thinking when Jesus got arrested in the garden, when he was beaten, when he was carrying his cross, when he died on the cross. But all of those things had to happen. And why did they have to happen? So that the plan of God could come to pass. Well, go with me over to uh, Isaiah 53. You know, it was prophesied way, way before that this would happen. 
but they didn't put it all together in the moment, I'll guarantee you. I bet they were in shock. I bet they thought, this is disaster. Everything is falling apart. Our leader is, is something bad is happening. I bet they totally didn't get it at the moment. But this is what the Bible says. In Isaiah 53, it says, Who has believed trusted in, relied upon, and clung to our message of that which was revealed to us and of whom, to whom has the arm of the Lord been disclosed. You know, they were probably thinking, oh God, you've forsaken us. For the servant of God grew up before him like a tender plant, like a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, royal kingly pomp, that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely he has borne our grief, sickness, weakness, and distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God, as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities, and the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Oh, man. See, when I read that, I think I, I can just imagine their confusion at the moment, their disbelief of what was happening. But all of that had to happen so that this could be fulfilled, so that we could be in the position where we are now, made whole. Oh, man. So God can do and turn and use things that we may not even think. And sometimes when it looks like everything is going wrong, we as the church just need to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. Praying that God would position people in the right places. That God would put people into the places that they need to be so that the plan of God can come to pass. So that's an instance. And then also, you know, I was thinking about this. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth. So it would naturally be you know, natural to think that Jesus would be born in Nazareth because that's where his parents lived. But the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2 that in those days it occurred that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the land should be censused, right? They should be counted. And so what did they do? Well, they got on their donkey <laughs> and they went to Bethlehem. But the Bible in Micah talked about how Bethlehem would be the place of the Savior's birth. It told that from long, long ago. Micah prophesied that. So how did that come to pass? Did they just decide to go to Bethlehem? No, actually, God used Caesar Augustus to have a census so they would get in the right place. So sometimes things are put in place in ways that we don't understand. And we think it's disaster, and we think it's heavy and hard, and oh no, everything's falling apart. But it's not falling apart, and we need to keep praying. 
and we need to keep praying for God's plan to come to pass because God might just be moving things around so that everything can be in the right place because as the, the first coming had all kinds of, uh, of Jesus, had all kinds of prayer that surrounded it, the second coming will too. And the first coming had all kinds of circumstances that surrounded it. Well, the second coming will too. And they prayed consistently and fervently for the first coming of Jesus, and we have to for the second coming. So that's part of our job. So we pray that God will move people and position people into the right places according to his purpose. So number five is this. Pray that leaders would initiate and promote laws that enable the people of God to live peaceable lives and promote the gospel. So it may seem like it's in contradiction to what we were just saying, that things will get difficult and things will, you know, but we need to pray as Timothy instructed us, uh, or as First Timothy instructed us, that um, we need to pray for leaders and all those who are in positions of authority that we may uh, live a peaceable life. And we always want to pray that the doors of the gospel would be open, that they would be open in different places uh, of the world and in our nation, that they would always be open. God has used our nation to bring the gospel into every nation. And so this is a sending place, and we want to pray for those doors to always be open. And God uses the church to pray. The church really has a responsibility to pray that way. So go with me over to Ephesians one or 3, Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, For this reason, because I preached that you are thus built up together, I, Paul, am the prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of and on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. It's part of the stewardship that we're called to as the church. His unmerited favor that was entrusted to me to dispense to you for your benefit. And that the mystery, the secret, was made known to me that I was allowed to comprehend it by direct revelation, as I already briefly wrote to you. When you read this, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This mystery was never disclosed to human beings in past generations, as it has now been revealed by his holy apostles, consecrated messengers, and prophets by the Holy Spirit. It is this that the Gentiles are now to be fellow heirs with the Jews, members of the same body and joint partakers in sharing the same divine promise in Christ through their acceptance of the glad tidings of the gospel. He says, Jesus has been opened up to everyone. Everyone has the uh, ability to receive him. And that's why we want to pray that the doors are always open. And then it says here in verse 7, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's free grace, undeserved favor which was bestowed on me at the time, the exercise of his working in all of its effectiveness, in all of his power. To me, though I am the least, the very least of all the saints, God's consecrated people, this grace, favor, privilege was granted and graciously entrusted to proclaim to the Gentiles 
the unending, boundless, fathomless, incalculable, and exhaustless riches of Christ's wealth, to which no human being could have searched out. Also to enlighten all men and make plain to them what is the plan regarding the Gentiles and providing for salvation of all men of the mystery kept hidden throughout the ages and concealed until now in the mind of God who created all things by Christ Jesus. Now, uh, we're reading all of this and there's a lot to read in this chapter, but we're reading it because God has really opened things up. He has opened things up to all. And if they were persecuted then, how much more are we going to be persecuted as we approach the second coming of Jesus? So we want to pray that laws and doors would be open, that we would be able to um, have free course for the gospel to be preached. So then he goes on in verse 10 and he says, the purpose is that through the church... The complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and the authorities, principalities, and powers in the heavenly sphere. Now, where does Ephesians tell us that we do battle? It's not with flesh and blood, but it's what? With principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age that are in the heavenly sphere. We are doing battle in that place. And then he says, this is in accordance with the terms of the eternal and timeless purpose, which he has realized and carried into effect in the person of Christ our Lord, in whom, because of our faith in him, we dare to have the boldness, the courage and confidence of free access and unreserved approach to God with freedom without fear. So I ask you not to lose heart, not to faint, or become despondent through fear at what I am suffering on your behalf. Rather, glory in it, for it is an honor to you. And then he says, for this reason. What reason? The greatness of God's plan. The greatness of his plan. All that he's doing. Because we're doing war in the heavenlies. For this reason, he says... Uh, for this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by his Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts, and may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. And he goes on, he's just talking to us about the responsibility we have as the church. And part of that responsibility of love and understanding the love of God is praying from that place of love. Praying from that place. And so we want to pray that the gospel would be able to have free course. And so any law that would hinder the gospel, then we want that changed and we want that moved. So we can pray that way. Um, let's see. Here's uh, another thing that we can pray. It's number six. Pray for the health and the healing of our nation and for the reign of the presence of God to fall upon the just and the unjust and bring revival to our nation. You know, it's promised. Revival is promised to, to our nation, and we want to pray not only for the natural health of our nation, but also for the spiritual health of our nation. 
We want to continue to pray for health and healing in our nation, and that's one of our promises. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and all of the other things that he said, if we will do that, seek my face, um, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. So it's a promise that we have. And of course, we want to see the glory of God manifested in the church. We want to have miracles. We want to see revival in the church, but we want to see it in the world, right? We want to see people who don't know him coming to know him. And that's what the reign of his presence is all about. So God wants the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of his glory. And Habakkuk even says it this way, as the waters cover the sea, he wants us to, or he wants the, the uh, world to be filled with the knowledge of his glory. That's the, what, what he wants. And so we can pray that way and give him that inv invitation to come and to move. So the Holy Spirit has been stirring the church. He's been stirring us to pray. And prayer comes a lot of times in waves. And then, uh, you know, there's, there's heavy prayer because God is doing something and he's moving. But prayer never really stops. Prayer is always continually offered by the church. And anytime there's a move of God or there is revival, there is always a big trail of prayer that accompanies that. And so in the last days, revival, which is going to be the greatest revival that has ever been on the face of the earth, how much prayer needs to go forth? You know, how much prayer? Well, a lot. And that's why we're going to be coming into greater waves of prayer. And we'll see that. And it'll be intercession for our nation. And it'll be for our government and for those who are leaders. It'll be for um, all so Pastor Mark talked a uh, week before last about John the Baptist and how, and I'm going to go over there to Luke chapter 1, um, and how John the Baptist used his voice and his voice took things down and raised things up. And it was really his voice, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, the word says. So when John the Baptist prayed, it was all about the first coming and there were some things that were accompanying uh, the first coming that we will see again in the second coming. And so when we look over here in Luke chapter 1, um, verse 13, it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your petition was heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will, name, you will call his name John. God is favorable. And you shall have joy and exultant delight and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great and distinguished in the sight of the Lord. And he must drink no wine or strong drink, that he will be filled with the Holy and controlled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn back and cause to return many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will himself go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn back the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient and the incredulous and unpersuadable to the wisdom of the upright, which is the knowledge and the holy love of the will of God, in order to make ready for the Lord a people perfectly prepared in spirit, adjusted and disposed and placed in the right moral state. Wow. So God is doing that again. And in the same way that Elijah came in 
and he's the example given, Elijah came to a people who were really about to lose their purpose. They had forgotten who they were. They were so oppressed and so pressed down by Jezebel and Ahab that they had forgotten who that they were even the people of God. And they weren't standing up and they weren't reading the word and they weren't praying and they weren't really doing anything. And God brought Elijah out of nowhere. And he came with a boldness, a boldness that set things right. And that boldness, that spirit of Elijah and that power came and really turned things. There was a turning that took place. And so the people of God understood again. And he said, how long will you falter between these two opinions? If God is your God, then serve him. There was a boldness that came, a supernatural boldness. Well, the effect of the spirit of God on our prayer uh, will be the same as Elijah's and as of John the Baptist as we enter into the second coming of the Lord. So what was the effect of the Spirit of God? Well, there was a supernatural boldness, and we will have a boldness in prayer, and we will call things like they are. We will pray for the health and the healing of our nation. We'll pray for revival. We'll call forth things that are promised us in the Word of God. But then what was the effect of the power? Well, there was a supernatural turning that took place, and the, the hearts of the sons were returned to the fathers and the fathers to the sons, and things were restored, and there was a turning that took place. So the effect of that spirit of Elijah with power and the Holy Spirit is a turning and a boldness. And so we'll see prayer and intercession, prayers of intercession, really take on that flavor a lot of times. So God's will doesn't just happen because it's God's will. It really happens because people take hold of his will. They bring the invitations. They pray into places that are dark. And they do it with that kind of boldness. So Elijah came, and he came into a place that was very dark and heavy and oppressive, but God showed up. God showed up. And how did he show up? Well, he showed up in rain. <laughs> he showed up in a couple ways, right? Fire on the altar, but he showed up in rain, too. And what is rain? Well, it's the presence of God falling upon our nation, and that's what we want. So we want to pray for the rain. And the last place I want to go is Philippians, and then we're going to pray, is Philippians 1.12. And I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Every revival, every move, every uh, wave where we see God doing uh, miracles and supernatural things, it has always been attached to prayer. So when we get in agreement and we pray, I mean, God's, God's moving. He's already moving. But when we as the church begin to all get in agreement and pray, I believe we're going to start to see some of these things that, that we have been lifting up for many years. And, you know, they did. Uh, even with the first coming of Jesus, it says, you know, Simeon and Anna are, are recorded in Luke chapter 2, and it says that they prayed and prayed, and she prayed 85 years in the temple. Wow! just about the Lord coming. That was her prayer assignment and project. So anyway, Philippians 1.12, it says this, Paul speaking, and he's writing this from prison. He says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. <laughs> wow. So that it became evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident 
by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. There's a boldness that'll come. And he says, some indeed preach Christ even from every envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So they were praying for him. He could feel their prayers, and he said, I want you to know that although things look bad, there's a turning that's taking place. I know that this will turn. I know that this will turn. I know that this will turn. How does he know it'll turn? Because of your prayer and the supply of the Spirit. So the, the prayers of the church brought a supply of the Spirit. The prayers of John the Baptist brought things low and raised things up and made a way for the Lord to come in. And the prayers of the church do that too. And when we pray for our government, that's really what we need to have in our mind. And we really need to picture, okay, God, you're shifting, you're moving, you're positioning, you're changing, you're bringing wisdom, you're bringing people, you're bringing influence, you're making laws that are based on your word. You, Lord, are in control. I'm not out of control our government is not out of control. There might be things happening that we have no knowledge of that God is moving and positioning. And so we need to not take the oppression of the enemy, but take the position that God gave us. And when we take the position God gave us, then we will pray from that spirit uh, of power and spirit of Elijah with a boldness that really commands things back that takes things back, that turns things. So those are the six things that we can pray, and we'll go ahead and pray. So you can stand with me, and we will go ahead and pray for our, our leaders and our president and our vice president and for um, all of those who are leading in our nation, um, all of those who are in places of government and in authority here in our nation. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you, Father God, all that we can enter into your presence because of the blood. Oh, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for that blood that is so precious, so precious, that made a way for us to enter into you, the holy place. And we can come. I thank you, Father, that you have made us kings and priests unto our God. We can offer, Father, this prayer worthily. And we pray, Father God, that the Holy Spirit would help us every time we enter into the prayer closet. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be our helper in prayer, that he would be our guide, that he would be one who really uh, gives us what to pray and brings wisdom. And yes, I thank you, Father God, that you have given us the gift of of praying in other tongues so that we can pray with effectiveness. When we don't know what to pray, we can always pray in other tongues. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you so much that you lifted us up to your level with that wonderful, awesome gift of the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us and helping us to pray. And so, Father,
Father, we lift up our nation to you. We lift up our government to you. We thank you, Father God, that you have placed us in this place. And although we have a right to pray, Father God, we, we have a right to enter into your presence. We also have a responsibility to pray. We as the church, if the church is not praying, you're not able to move. And so, Father, we lift up every leader. We lift up every person in positions of authority within our nation. We don't have to know them by name. We don't have to call them by name. I thank you, Father God, that you know every single one of them. And because you are omnipresent, Father, we pray that your spirit right now would minister to every single one of them. We thank you, Father God, that they would have a personal relationship with you, that they would understand and know you as their God, not a God among many, but as their God. I thank you, Father God, that you would reveal yourself to them in supernatural ways, that you would reveal your presence and your power and your will and your anointing to them. I pray, Father God, that they would be, Father, in that place of service positioned by you. And if they are not positioned by you, then, Father, I pray that you would take them down and out of that place. I thank you, Father God, that you position leaders, that you position people into the right places, that you move and you shift and you do, Father, what only you can do. I thank you, Father. You said the heart of the king is in your hand and you turn it whichever way you wish. And we have such a good picture of that. When we look at the Colorado River and how it goes, all of these different places, the river goes where it wishes. But Father, I thank you that you go where you wish and you place people and you put them in positions that you wish. And so Father, we pray that you would do exactly that, that you would position people, position them according to your purposes, Lord. I pray, Father, that they would have wisdom to discern good from evil. I pray, Father, that you would give them the, the knowledge of truth, Father. And even if, they, if you pull it up from a place that is deep in their heart that their great-great-grandmother taught them, I thank you, Lord, that they will hear it and that they will know that it's the wisdom from above. I pray, Father God, that our leaders would have godly people surrounding them. Every one of them would have godly counsel, would have wise counsel from men and women that you have positioned in places. Oh, I thank you, Father. You did it all throughout the word. Just like, you know, Naaman. Naaman's wife had a little maid, and she gave him the best wisdom of his life to where to find the prophet and to find healing. I thank you, Father God, oh, that you bring. And it might seem casual and it might seem just like, you know, a, a word, but it'll be a word in season. And they'll contemplate it and they'll move on what you are speaking, Lord. Oh, I thank you for it, that you bring wisdom and revelation and supernatural insight. I pray, Father God, for supernatural insight. I pray, Father, that the eyes of their spirit would be enlightened, that they would be able to see and know, Father, which direction to go. I thank you for it, Lord. And I thank you, Father God. Oh, I thank you that the church cannot be stopped, that the church cannot be shut down, that the church cannot be uh, put aside. But I thank you, Father God, that the church will rise. The church will rise. I thank you, Father, that it will rise to the place, Father, oh, that, 
that uh, it's supposed to be in this day, that it's not supposed to be a quiet, beat-down church, but it's supposed to be a church that's standing in the anointing and in power. And I thank you for it, Lord. I pray for the church to arise in prayer. I pray for it to rise in righteousness. I pray, Father God, for it to arise in the armor that you have given us, the armor of a well-armed soldier, Father. All of those components, Father, coming together, that we would be an effective church in this last day. I pray, Father, that we would fulfill and accomplish the things that you have called us to do. And I pray, Father God, that you would put within us a passion to pray for those in leadership, to pray for those who are in government. I thank you, Lord, that we're not called to step out of it, we're called to step into it. And for those who are in the church that are supposed to be in places of leadership, I thank you, Father, that you would move them into those places places, that you would speak to hearts, that you would, Father, position people who have the knowledge of your will, who know the times and the seasons, that you would position them in right places. I thank you for it, Lord, that they would be counselors, but they would be leaders. I thank you, Lord, oh, for positioning your church, positioning us into places. And I thank you, Lord, we are called. We're called into places of government. We're called by prayer. We're called by the Holy Spirit. We're called to pray. So whenever you call us to pray, Father, whether it's in the night hours or the morning hours or the daytime, I thank you, Father God, whether it's seasons of prayer, whether it's times where we focus on on certain events in our nation. I pray, Father God, that we would be faithful to answer the call of the Holy Spirit, that we would lift up and pray for all of those leaders. And Father, we do even now pray for our president and for our vice president and for all of those who are uh, senators and, and, and congressmen. Father, we just thank you so much that you, Father, influence them that you have opened doors into their lives. We pray, Father God, that the darkness would be exposed and that light would go into every area of Washington, D.C., every area of state governments, every area, Father. We pray that darkness would be uh, 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 shut down in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God, for light going in. And darkness and light cannot reside together. The light will overtake the darkness. So we pray for your light, Father, your light, to flow into places, to flow into places, Father God, places that even people thought were closed off to God. No, we pray, Father God, for the light to shine, the light to shine in, the light to shine in. Oh, we thank you for opening doors, doors of influence, doors, Father, opening doors, doors that were shut, doors that were closed. But I thank you, Father God, that even now you're opening doors. You're opening new doors for the gospel to go forth. An effectual door, an effectual door, Father, for the gospel to go forth. I thank you, Father God. Oh, that those new doors, Father, they create new places for you to move, new places for you to move. I thank you, Father God. Oh, yes, for light, light, light. Light, infiltrating darkness. Father, I thank you. Even, that even includes minds, Father. It includes minds. I thank you, Lord, oh, that you expose darkness. You expose darkness so that light can come. I pray, Father God, for health and healing in our nation. I pray, Father, oh yes, for health and healing. I pray for revival in our nation. I pray, Father God, oh, for your word. 
to have free course in our nation. I pray for your word to be unhindered, Father, to be preached and taught and spoken and prayed and declared over our nation, Father. I pray that we would have that spirit of boldness, Father, that boldness to begin to speak, Father, out what you desire, to declare. You know, it takes a boldness to declare. You can't just sit back and think about it. You have to stand up and, and, and use your voice. And so, Father, I pray that our voice, our voices would go forth. Our prayers, Father, that they would create a pathway for Jesus, a pathway for him to walk on, to ride on. I thank you, Father God. Oh, for light, light in dark areas, light in dark areas. You know, I just keep thinking that. I just keep seeing that light in dark areas. Oh, that darkness would be exposed, that darkness would not be able to remain because light comes forth. Oh, I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for moving. Thank you for doing, Father, exactly what your word says. And Father, we read so much tonight. But Father, I thank you that you are doing it. I pray, Father, that you would anoint people, anoint them to go into places, anoint them. And you know, I just think about Esther, how she was anointed to go into that place where she ministered to the king, who was ungodly. But she ministered to him, and what did he do? He stood up, and he shut down darkness. He shut down darkness. And so I just thank you, Father. I thank you, oh, Father, that you are sending anointed people, anointed people, anointed people. I thank you, Father, oh, that have words to speak, words that are from you. You open doors for them, Lord, and that light comes forth light comes forth. I thank you, Father God. Oh, there's just so, so many areas, so many areas. Oh, I thank you, Father. I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you continue to position and to place your people, Lord. And we've prayed it over and over that God would remove politicians and put people who were leaders, who had a heart after the Lord into the right places. And so we do that again, Father. We thank you. And we thank you, Father God, that you're putting them into the right places. I pray, Father, for people to surround them with finances, for people to surround them with prayers, for people to surround them, Father. Oh, I thank you. People of influence, I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you're putting people into the right places at the right time. Yep. Yep. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you, Father, that your purposes will be able to be accomplished in your timing. I thank you for it, Lord. Oh, I thank you for it. And timing is such a key. And you know, uh, the, the, the prayer timing is such a key. When God moves the church to pray, it's so important and vital that we step into that place. And so I pray, Father God, that we would obey. When you say to pray, Lord, we would obey. We would obey in that place to pray. Oh, I thank you for it, Lord. That we would speak what you tell us to speak. That we would declare that we would speak to the mountains, that they can be leveled. 
that we would speak to the low places that they can be raised. Oh, I thank you, Father. Yes, preparing a highway for the king, a highway for the king, a highway for the king to ride on in. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for moving in this nation. This nation will not lose its call. This nation will not lose its purpose. The people of God will stand for this nation. I thank you, Father, that darkness will not overtake this nation. I thank you, Father, that ideas and strategies of the enemy are cast down in the name of Jesus. Father, that we stand for righteousness in this nation. This nation will fulfill her call, her call to bring, Father, the gospel. Oh, I thank you that she's always been anointed. And, Father, I pray for that anointing to increase, to increase even more and more. I thank you for it, Lord. Oh, I thank you. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, that we'll stand. We'll stand for righteousness. We'll stand for righteousness in the name of Jesus. Every strategy, every plot, every plan, every scheme that the enemy has, oh, to take this nation down from her greatness, Father, we come against it in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Father God that your plans will prevail, your thoughts will prevail. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. And Father, we as the church will continue to be pers persevering in prayer. We'll be persistent in prayer. We will not be a people who pray today and are in despair tomorrow. No, Father, we'll be a people who are prayerful people who are continuing to keep our eyes on you and though it look long father I thank you that we stay in the battle that we stay engaged that we stay engaged in the prayer battle it's not a physical battle that we fight but it's a prayer battle and the enemy is continuously waging war of discouragement and depression and oppression and father I thank you that we'll we'll shake it off we'll not receive it We'll not receive it, Father, but we'll continue to lift up our leaders and we'll continue, Father God, to, to uh, stand in that place with you, Lord, with our arms lifted high, with our eyes on you. I thank you, Lord. We'll not be distracted by the, the strategies and the lies of the enemy. Yeah, that we will stand for righteousness. We will stand for those who need to yet be saved. We will stand for great revival. We will stand for miracles. We will stand for freedom. We will stand, Father God, oh, for your true freedom, Lord, on this nation. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it. We declare that, Father, oh, that we are a free nation in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. Oh, yes, because he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Oh, I thank you for it, Lord. And Father, I pray, you know, some say that we're in a post-Christian uh, Christian era. And Father, I just, I just know, Father, that, that that's just a strategy. It's just looking at the exterior. But Father, we are entering into the greatest day that the church has ever seen. You are not coming back for a week and, and, and a tiny church. You're not coming back for a scared running church. You're coming back for a strong church. And so, Father, I pray that we would take our place. Take our place. 
Stand in that place, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, Father, with a boldness and a turning back to you. And we speak that over our nation, Father. We speak that our nation is turning to you in the name of Jesus, that it's turning back to you. And we pray, Father, for the hearts of the fathers and the sons to return to each other. And we pray, Father God, and you know that really has to do with the call. It really has to do with the call, the call that's on families and the call that's on this nation. And so I pray, Father God, that we return to you. We return, Father, to that place. Oh, we return, Father. No, you're not coming back for a poor, broken-down church. You're coming back for a church who is rich, who is rich in knowledge, who is rich in anointing, who's rich, Father, in all of the ways, spiritually rich, Lord. We are a skilled church. We're a church that's on the move. We're a church that's taking ground. We're a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. I thank you, Father God, that that is who we are, and we will bind and we will lose. We will bind the enemy and we will loose the spirit of God in this nation and we do loose the spirit of God in this nation have your way here Lord have your way have your way with all of our leaders have your way in all of our states Lord the United States of America have your way Lord in these states these United States one nation under God that's right oh I thank you father I thank you Lord Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, that it's not just a former glory. No, it's a glory yet to come. It's a glory like has never been seen before. We are not declining. I thank you, Father. The church is arising. It's arising. It's ascending. It's ascending into the secret place. It's ascending into a place with God. It's ascending into a place, Father, where we're strengthened by your very presence. Oh, we rise, Father, oh, like, like eagles. We rise. I thank you, Father. We rise. Oh, thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I pray, Father, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's so much more. There's so much more. And so open our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts to receive. Open our capacity, Lord. Open us. I pray, Father God, oh, that you would prosper your servants. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. and that we would increase, Father, increase, increase. I speak increase, increase over the church, increase, Father, over our economy, increase over our nation, increase, Father, increase over us. Oh, I thank you for it, Lord. Increase for the purpose of promoting the gospel. I thank you for it, Lord. Increase us, increase us. Increase our influence. Increase us, Lord. Increase our capacity for spiritual things, Lord. Oh, I thank you for it. Increase. Thank you, Lord.
Hallelujah. Thank you. An increase of your presence. An increase in the anointing. An increase in the strength of the anointing. An increase, Father, in consecration and holiness. An increase in dedication. An increase, Father. Thank you. Thank you for increase. Hallelujah. And we pray, Father, for the rain. We pray for the rain. You said to ask for the rain in the time of the latter rain. And that's the time that we live in. And that you would make thundering clouds and lightnings of your power. And Father, we pray for it. We pray for the rain in the time, this time of the latter rain. Oh, we thank you, Lord. I thank you. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. On the just and on the unjust, that everyone would know that you are God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, we love you. Glory, glory, glory to you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is none like you. Oh, there is none like you, Lord. There is none like you. You are great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, he's good. Well, I just encourage you to take those uh, prayer points and just to continue to pray for our nation. You know, as we started this 21 days of prayer, uh, it's not that we just pray for 21 days. It's just that we get uh, into that habit and we and we get ourselves into that place of expectancy as we're fasting and praying and and we just expect more uh, more waves of prayer to be happening so it doesn't end it continues and if you want to come for morning prayer uh, Monday through Thursday this week 8 a.m. here at the church 
and then also Monday night at 8 p.m. So, yay. We continue with our 21 days. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, let's say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen.